and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is, and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible, and references will be given after the stories. This week, I'm looking at the Flannan Isles Lighthouse. The Flannan Isles lie in the Outer Hebrides in Scotland. They are a small archipelago known as the Seven Hunters and allegedly once inhabited by St Flannan. St Flannan was visited on these islands by pilgrims who engaged in odd rituals like removing their hats and turning towards the sun upon coming ashore. It's likely that the islands were otherwise uninhabited from around the 9th century until 1899 when the lighthouse was installed. The lighthouse in question lies on Aileen Moor out in the North Sea. On December 15th, 1900, the steamer Arctor made a note in its log stating that the light in the Flannan Isle lighthouse wasn't on in poor weather conditions. The boat had travelled from Philadelphia and was looking to dock in the port at Leith. When they reached Leith, three days later, they passed that information on to the Northern Lighthouse Board, or the NLB. The NLB sent the ship Hesperus to investigate why the light was off on a night where it should have been on. When the ship arrived on the island on December 26th, Boxing Day, the crew knew almost instantly that something was wrong. The lighthouse keepers didn't come out to welcome the ship. The flag was missing from the flagstaff and the customary box of provisions hadn't been left for them. That was just the beginning of the mystery that Hesperus had sailed into. Jim Harvey, the ship's captain, sounded the boat's horn and sent up a flare to alert the keepers, in case they hadn't noticed the ship for some reason. The three keepers, James Ducat, Thomas Marshall and William MacArthur, never appeared. MacArthur and Ducat were both married, with six children between them. MacArthur was an occasional keeper of the lighthouse. He had taken over from William Ross, who was on sick leave. Ducat was principal keeper and Marshall was second assistant. It was odd that at least one of them hadn't made their way down to the ship to welcome them to the island. The crew of the ship sent the relief keeper, Joseph Moore, to investigate the island further. Moore set off up the 160 steps up to the lighthouse, watched the whole time by three large black birds. At the top of the stairs, the gate to the lighthouse compound was closed. Moore entered the compound and opened the door of the living quarters, stepping into a place that appeared lived in. In the kitchen, the wall clock had stopped. However, the table had been set for a meal that had never been eaten and a chair had been toppled over. The only sign of life in the room 
was a canary in a cage. In the bedroom, the beds were unmade, but there was nobody in the building at all. Moore returned to the crew of the Hesperus on the eastern landing of the island to report his findings. Due to the lack of lighthouse keepers, Jim Harvey sent two members of the crew with Moore for a more in-depth investigation to look for signs of life. A more thorough search of the lighthouse compound was conducted. The three of them only found an oil skin, a long waterproof coat, which suggested that one of the three keepers had left the building without a coat on. There seemed to be no other signs of the keepers. With that lack of evidence, the investigators left the compound and walked to the western landing. There, they discovered evidence that a huge storm had hit the island at some point. A supply crate had been smashed with its contents strewn across the ground. Iron railings had been twisted and bent out of shape. Part of the railway track on the island had been torn from its concrete moorings, and a large rock that weighed more than a ton had been displaced. There was also evidence that turf had been torn from the top of the cliff that sat at 200 feet above sea level. There were no signs of the keepers though. Moore and the crewmates returned to the ship and recounted their findings to Harvey. He left Moore and the crewmates at the lighthouse to tend it, then sent a telegram to the NLB when the ship returned to port, saying, Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Meanwhile, Moore and the crewmates scoured the islands for the missing keepers. On December 29th, Robert Moirhead, the NLB superintendent, arrived on Flannan Isle. He immediately began an investigation, since he knew the missing keepers well. He examined the remaining oil skin and determined it to belong to MacArthur. He then examined the evidence at the Western Landing and speculated that Marshall and Ducat had gone out in the storm to try and secure the equipment. When they hadn't returned, MacArthur must have left to go and find them. Muirhead's report concluded like this. From evidence I was able to procure, I was satisfied that the men had been on duty up till dinner time on Saturday the 15th of December, that they had gone down to secure a box in which the mooring ropes, landing ropes, etc. were kept, and which was secured in a crevice in the rock about 110 feet above sea level and that an extra-large sea had rushed up the face of the rock, had gone above them, and coming down with immense force, had swept them completely away. Mawirhead's conclusion seemed final, but the public felt differently. Theories and speculation went wild, with some people saying that the keepers had been eaten by a giant sea serpent or grabbed by a huge bird. Some believed that they had rowed away from the island to escape debts, and others believed that they had been kidnapped by a ghost ship or even foreign spies. 
As time went on, more and more people believed that the Keepers had been the victims of foul play or mythical creatures. The alleged discovery of the lighthouse's logbook threw more doubt on Moirhead's investigation. The logbook contained some strange entries between the 12th and 15th of December. In the first entry, Marshall writes of a storm the likes of which he'd never seen hitting the island. He also says that Ducat was unusually quiet during the storm and MacArthur, a man who almost never showed emotion, was weeping. Another entry describes the keepers praying during the eye of the storm and the final entry, written on the 15th, states that the storm had passed and everything was calm. The logbook caused many to question that the keepers had been swept out to sea. They thought that if someone wrote in the logbook on the 15th, surely they would have mentioned that someone had died or gone missing. However, the logbook, as an addition to the mystery, happened several years after the discovery of the empty lighthouse. There is no evidence of the logbook at all. It doesn't seem to exist. If it had, surely it would have been discovered by Moore on the day that he investigated the island. It's been a hot topic throughout the years. Wilfred Wilson Gibson wrote a poem called Flannan Isle in 1912 that describes the disappearances. In 1977, Dr. Who visited the fictitious island of Fang Rock in the episode Horror of Fang Rock. In the episode, an alien known as the Rutan had come to Earth and was using its shape-shifting abilities to take the planet as a strategic spot in its war with the Sontarans. The episode is eerily similar to the Flannan Isle mystery, which is why it's been mentioned here. In 1979, Sir Peter Maxwell Davies composed an opera called The Lighthouse. It's not related to the 2020 film of the same name, which is about a completely different lighthouse story. In 1968, the band Genesis released a demo of a song called The Mystery of Flannan Isle Lighthouse, which officially released in 1998 as part of the Genesis archive. In 2005, Angela Elliott released a novel based on the story called Some Strange Scent of Death that outlines the story and adds various fictitious elements. In 2018, a film called The Vanishing came out. The film details the story of the keepers and adds elements to the story to explain the disappearances. In 2020, the Princess Royal, Princess Anne, visited the Flannan Isles Memorial. She also visited the exhibition that opened at Breezecleet and the former Keeper's Shore Station as part of her role as patron of the NLB. Despite the mystery, the lighthouse stayed in operation because it was needed for ships to navigate the area. In the years following the disappearances, Keepers have reported hearing strange voices in the wind. Sometimes the voices are said to call out the names of the three missing keepers. 
No bodies have ever been found. And to this day, nobody knows what really happened to the lighthouse keepers. There really aren't too many theories to this one, and nothing I can access on Google Scholar since it's hidden behind a paywall. But there are theories, so I'm going to look into them. The first theory surrounds William MacArthur. He was known to be ill-tempered and often settled arguments with violence. Due to the destruction on the Western Landing, the theory is that MacArthur had started a fight between the keepers, which ultimately led to them all plummeting from the cliff into the sea. If that were the case, all three keepers would need to be out of the lighthouse at the same time. If there was a storm the night they disappeared, all three would likely be wearing oilskins. It's possible that Moirhead thought that two keepers had left to do something with the third following afterwards without the oil skin could make sense, with the fight breaking out when the third keeper joined the two. That doesn't quite explain the destruction of the railway line, nor does it explain the huge rock on the western landing. The second theory suggests that it was murder. Once again, MacArthur is the main culprit. The theory suggests that one of the keepers murdered the other two, threw them over the cliff, then sent himself into the depths. However, there's no evidence that a murder ever took place, in much the same way that there's not much evidence that a fight broke out. The keepers were kept in close quarters most of the time, so it's entirely possible that they actually fought with each other. The problem is that there's no bodies or evidence to suggest that one of them snapped and killed the other two. The next theory has already been discussed. It's the sea serpent or giant bird theory. This entire theory is based around a huge creature eating or snatching up the three keepers. If the events of the storm are correct, it makes sense that at least two of the keepers would be outside in a place that this could happen. The third keeper would then have been safe. It doesn't quite explain the disappearance of all three keepers. Then we come to the kidnapping theories. These theories vary in how the keepers were kidnapped, but all end up meaning the same thing. The first one is a ghost ship, with the keepers being taken by a ghostly crew. This doesn't really work unless one of the men was previously a sailor and had really upset the ghostly captain, thus putting all three in a bad position and allowing all of them to be kidnapped. The second is international spies kidnapping the keepers. It's plausible, but unlikely. Why would spies kidnap lighthouse keepers? The only possible reason that might happen is to prevent ships from navigating the Flannan Isles, although I can't begin to understand why. 
these theories, although exciting, don't seem to make sense. So it's very unlikely that these are what really happened. The final, most plausible theory is that Marshall and Ducat had gone out to secure the supplies and equipment on the west landing during the storm. The weather proved too much for them and they were taken by the wind and swept off the island. When the two of them didn't return to the lighthouse, MacArthur likely went out to see what was holding them up without his oil skin and perished in the storm as well. The reason for the keepers to be out in such an awful storm to secure supplies is a simple one. Marshall had once been fined five shillings, which equates to £19.54 or $26.67 for losing equipment in a different storm. Having family at home, it seems like he made the choice not to lose that much money over replaceable equipment. The need for the men to protect the supplies would ultimately have been what killed them, since it was never a question of staying inside during the storm and keeping safe. My personal theory is a little out there. For some reason, every version of events that I found for this story mentions three large black birds when Joseph Moore ascended the steps to the lighthouse compound. Always three, but then they're never mentioned again. Like I said, it's really out there. But what if something more magical or supernatural happened and the three birds were the missing keepers? Highly unlikely, but why would the birds be mentioned otherwise? I think it's just the ramblings of a man who wants to solve a mystery. After 120 years, it's very unlikely that we'll discover what really happened to the three keepers. Not unless someone dives down to the bottom of the sea in the area to find the bodies. And even that would be a full excavation due to the length of time that has passed. This mystery is going to have to stay unsolved, I'm afraid. If you planned on taking a trip to the lighthouse, you still can. The lighthouse stands to this day, but has been automated since 1971. The only visitors the island sees now are local residents, bird watchers, and the occasional tourist. I've not been myself, but from the pictures I've seen, it looks like a picturesque location, but it's probably very windy. Today's story came from a Sky History article called The Flannan Isle Mystery, The Three Lighthouse Keepers Who Vanished, and a Royal Museum Greenwich article called The Flannan Island Mystery. The information on things involving the mystery throughout the last century came from a Daily Mail article called The Enduring Mystery of the Missing Victorian Lighthouse Keepers, How Time Stood Still as three men vanished without a trace in the dead of night. The theories from today came from the previous articles and the information about the island and the state of the lighthouse today came from an Atlas Obscura article called Flannan Isle Lighthouse. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. 
Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can currently find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is getting overhauled, and as of this episode, I'll upload one of the transcripts each week as part of the £3 tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree, and, as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month, but I'll find something extra special for the people that do that. I do have an email set up on the link tree, but it doesn't open a new email, so that's in the description of the episode too. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events, and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said, let me know and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. Next week's episode comes out on January 26th, so hold on until then. (laughs) 